Hello. And welcome to this epic quest of cask heads. A podcast not only for whiskey, but about whiskey too. I'm Luke. I have my brother Jordan here. Hello. Who, who will be playing the role of host. And not just for an alien species. Mm, it was Halloween night at the Castle Hall. <laughs> it's so far from Halloween. It is, but it. it is our 20th episode. Ooh, big old 20, hashtag 2020. The big 2-0 with 2021 now. Yeah, it would have been so much better if we hit 20 in 2020. Uh, yeah, so today we are moving on from our two-part segment on crime. <gasps> crime. And in this episode, we're going to be looking at a special Speyside distillery. Uh, I know I've mentioned it in the past episodes, I'm sure, um, particularly the owner, but uh, we're talking about Glen Allerkey Distillery. And you've not mentioned it before. I would have remembered. Like a vault to me. Yeah. Yeah, if there's what Okay. <laughs> Let's go with I don't want, 50 I don't... facts. This episode's 50 facts from any of the previous episodes. Go. I don't need to prove anything to you. Okay. <laughs> My vault is locked and secure. I don't know the code. That's the problem. (laughs) Yeah, Glen Allerkey Distillery. Um, It was founded in 1967, so it was in the 60s. Ooh. So relatively new in the grand scheme of things. Um, And it's near Avalauer in Speyside and was designed by the architect William Delm Evans. Interesting. Why would a distillery need an architect? Why not? Well, I mean... Aren't they normally quite copy and paste? No, there's all sorts of different aspects to them. Oh, I'm picturing like a really fanciful distillery now. If it needs an architect, I hope he did a grand job. I mean, one of the um, one of the uh, biggest architects was Charles Doig, I want to say. Uh, yep, he was called Charles Doig, and he was a very, very big uh, architecture uh, architect in the grand scheme of Scottish whisky distilleries, including the um, the stylized pagoda roof, which you see on uh, a lot of distilleries these days. Um, it was to do with the the maltings, uh, and it was to do with allowing air in for the kilning and things. However, these days, obviously, you don't do it in that way. But the pagoda roof is still kind of the staple design, and they put them on. Uh, to this day, because it's what you expect to see. Uh, and Charles Doig first introduced it on Dal Ewan Distillery, I believe. Um, Going to find you a picture of a pagoda roof now. Yeah, I'm j- I just googled it. See, really, Dal Ewan should have it on. But- oh, there you go. It's like a little. You see that? There's one there. Oh, like a chimney. There's one there. There's one there. There's one there. Like most distilleries will have a pagoda roof on. Okay. I, I've been recommended like uh, Chinese traditional style roofs to check out. Kind of drew inspiration from that design, actually, yeah. Uh, and the idea was that it allowed for the drawing of air to come up through the uh, through the maltings and things, and and that was um, one of Charles Doig's uh, creations. There we go, there's a nice big one there on Inchgower. And like I say, it's a very common design that you see on most distilleries, even though... It wasn't though... created by him. Uh, well, the actually, the addition of it to maltings was... Yeah, but like... I mean, like, the style. Well, no, he drew the idea from the previous style, but he added it to distilleries for the practical function as well. That's what I'm trying to say. You see, now, this is a brand-new distillery that um, its first whiskey was literally only just released this week kind of thing, uh, and they have one. So it's, okay. that was only built, like, three years ago, and they've still built one in, just purely for aesthetics. It's just something you expect to see. Uh, anyway, that was a slight detract. Um, yes, William Delm Evans, uh, and he played a large role in the architectural design of three modern whiskey distilleries. 
his aim was to design up-to-date gravity-fed distillation processes. Um, now, gravity-fed distillation is obviously a lot more uh, economically friendly. We love a bit of economically friendly things. Uh, and it, yeah, he found great success in the kind of post-war boom era of this time, including the expanded design and construction of the new Jura distillery in the 60s. The island was having a lot of problems. People were leaving the island. Uh, there weren't a lot of jobs around. Um, and there used to be a distillery on the island, but it closed down, been mothballed and things. And so um, William Delm Evans was actually hired to uh, rebuild the distillery. What does mothballed mean? <laughs> I'm off-board when you no longer need... It's like, there's different stages of closing the distillery down, okay? So, first of all, you can close the distillery where you effectively close the doors. Mothballed means it's completely scrapped, um, the equipment's basically gone and stuff, and then there's, like, demolished. Um, so, yeah, he, he rebuilt and expanded the capacity of the new Jura distillery in the 60s. And, I mean, Jura is around today. It's a very, very big, very popular brand. You go into most supermarkets and you will probably find uh, at least one bottling from Jora. I was going to say, I've definitely heard of them. They do the... They used to do. They've changed the design since then. But the then. ones I always but remember, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Jura Superstition with the Ankh on it. Yeah. Um, uh, which you can no longer get in it. Jura Superstition was one of the most popular Jora's, certainly. I was going to say, it's the only thing I really recognise as theirs, um, beyond like that. But name. Jura is actually owned by uh, White and Mackay, who owned Dalmore, who we, we covered uh, a couple of episodes ago. Mm, did we? Which is the one with the stag on it. Ah, we did. That one there. Yeah, I saw it. It's directly next to me in this plethora of whiskey. Some might say too many. No, I don't think so. There's so many. Uh, he's also, um, he was credited with the uh, designing and building of the uh, distillery Tullabardine in 1949 as well, which is a lovely Highland whiskey distillery. And so he did uh, He did Tullibardine, he did Jorah, he did Glenallachy, and those are the three ones that he's mainly accredited to. Uh, however, he also worked on the Macduff distillery, um, However, there was apparently a falling out, and it's never truly been explained why, but he left the project very early on. Uh, a time before Twitter drama, when it was just drama. Mm, very true. Very true, yes, yes. The other thing I really like about uh, William Dalm Evans is um, when he was he's constructing... He's Snake. Well, he's not, no. Um, no, no, have you ever asked? I, I, I saw the blood test, it's okay. It was fake. It was a very, very in-depth interview. It was an inside man. Uh, yeah, when, when they were working on Jorah... Um, because he didn't actually live on the island or anything, and to help with the commute of getting to the island, he actually had a runway built, uh, and he purchased a, a small little Cessna plane so he could fly to, to the site and back, because, just because of the inconvenience. Eccentric. That's some crazy eccentric person thing to do. I think it's a brilliant thing to do, and uh, I believe the, the runway is still on Jora to this day, yeah. Um, I mean, one of the big problems for, for uh, Delm Evans was he actually got um, tuberculosis. It, it, in one way, it uh, prevented him from actually serving in the war, um, but and it enabled him to kind of go further down the architectural and engineering design things whilst he, was, whilst he wasn't at war and things. But um, it, he had this constant kind of reoccurring illness problem for him that would catch up with him every so often. Yeah, tuberculosis is rough. Uh, so that's a little history into William Dale Evans. Uh, very, very good uh, gentleman. Um, now, Glenallachy. Back to Glenallachy, the actual distillery. Oh yeah, I forgot we were talking about something that wasn't just some dude. Glenallachy for a long time was not actually uh, readily available as a single malt. Um, it was. It has very high quality spirit and it's designed actually for blending purposes by the owners when they had it. Plot twist. Uh, as, I've, as I've repeatedly said before, um, you need really good quality malt to go into blends. I don't and, think you've ever said that. Uh, nearly every single episode, actually. It's not my fault that you don't listen. I... You don't. True. <laughs> you openly admit you don't. Uh, there's so many things you say, and then you keep saying them. <laughs> uh, 
In fact, aside from a couple of official bottlings being released, the only way to try Glenalkey for a very long time was from independent bottlers. Uh, people such as Gordon McPhail, Signatory, I'm drawing a blank, um, Morrison and Mackay, they, they're an independent bottler. Morrison and Mackay's a fun name. We've covered them as well before. Oh, man, I don't think I was there. <laughs> Not so confused with White and Mackay. It's also a fun name. However, back in 2017, the distillery was purchased by a consortium of three people, including Billy Walker. Uh, now, we've talked about Billy Walker. I know we have. Yeah, I recognise that name. Billy Walker, uh, he previously he owned... good crisps. We already did that joke. <laughs> Billy Walker, he he previously owned uh, Ben Reak Distillery Company. Now, Ben Reak Distillery Company had uh, Ben Reak, Glendronic, which uh, is one that we've talked about before. I know we, we've tasted Glendronic 15 before, and Glen Glassow um, Distilleries. Now, all three of those fell under the company uh, heading of Ben Reak Distillery Company, uh, which he sold to Brown Foreman, uh, and he sold it for a lot of money. Brown Foreman sounds like... Brown the most alias name ever. Brown Foreman own Jack Daniels. They own Old Forester. You can scroll down a little bit. Um, they also own some Irish whiskey. I'm trying to think which one that is. It might be Slain Irish whiskey. Brown Foreman own as well. Slain, wow, God. wow. Um, and then they own those those three Scottish distilleries as well. Now, Billy Walker, uh, as we've said, is a veteran whiskey maker, very, very clever gentleman. Under his watchful eye and the cask management kind of regime that he implemented in the distillery. But just one of his watchful eyes. Just one. Just, like, peeping. No. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure you used both eyes. Is it, you said watchful eye. He probably alternates. I'll allow it. Um, and so the distillery stock was assessed. And in 2018, the first range of single malts were released. Following um, about a year later, they also released his uh, wood finish range. Um, and uh, this, this was uh, kind of a nice way to showcase the distillery's spirit and the versatility of it. Man, like the cowboy times being just vaguely in the past for me, I still can't get over that re- whiskey gets released, like, regularly. And it's not just... I literally tried a whiskey... Old. Like, yesterday, that was a brand new release. Yeah, nah, it came out ages ago. It's old stuff. It was that distillery that I showed you that was brand new. It I lives in the old stuff. times. It's okay. 15 years old at that point, though, so it is old. Well, no, the new one was three years old. I can't get over the fact that things are younger than 15. It's wild. 12-year-old, 10-year-old, 7-year-old, 8-year-old, So many. 3-year-old. As long as it's above 3 years old in Scotland, you know this. Yeah, I was going to say there was a age point. Now, the distillery uses a long fermentation time, which allows for certain flavour compounds to form. And they also have two sets of stills, which lead into uh, two spirit receivers and uh, as well as two spirit safes. Now, this gives them far more control, whereas normally you just have your stills all leading into one final destination kind of thing. That'd be a good film title. Spirit receivers, they have a little box that make uh, just static noises. No. Spirit safe, so they uh, little salt circles. No. You see, you could have gone with Spooky. Ghostbusters and said that was the spirit safe, the bit where they caught Slimer and put him in. I didn't, didn't want to get actual... done for copyright. That's not copyright, that's just a reference. Uh, and, yeah, and this, this system gives them far more control over the spirit they're producing. Another interesting feature at the distillery um, is that their spirit condensers run horizontally as opposed to the standard kind of vertical up and down position, uh, which gives them far more better temperature control as well. Far more better? Yeah, yeah, far more better. Far more betterer. Do you want to maybe take a conjunction? Far more bestest of better things. Far much betterer than the (laughs) other far worser than Than the the lesser far better one. Ugh, I hate it. They, the distillery actually has a total kind of maximum capacity um, capability of around 4 million litres. I mean, oh, it was yeah, a that's serious... just that's nothing. I couldn't drink that in a day. <laughs> I 
I mean, this is per year, but this was a, a, a serious kind of like workhorse distillery for a long time. However, the new owners, they, they are far more focused on uh, quality over quantity. And the actual output um, under their kind of operation is around about 800,000 litres a, a year. So they really have dropped that capacity down so they can focus far more on this wonderful spirit that they're creating. They didn't just drop that capacity down. They took the capacity out back. <laughs> and like, you know, you're going to feed the rabbits soon. <laughs> I mean, the other thing you've got to allow for as well is if you're not going into blends and you're not selling your spirit off as much, you have to sell all the stuff you're making. Otherwise, you're just going to have a load of excess stock built up at a very high cost. So you have to either start uh, sourcing it out or you cut back on production. This past year alone, that's that's been production on a lot of distillers has been cut for obvious reasons. Mm, yeah, yeah. One of the big things about when they purchased the distillery was the inclusion of existing age stock as well, some of which dates back to around about the 70s. Uh, and they currently have 16 warehouses with over 50,000 casks of their own spirit maturing on site. Whoa. So it's Wait, not a small operation. Does each warehouse have over 15,000? No, between or? the 16 warehouses, they have over 50,000 casks of their own spirit maturing. Yeah, so, I mean, they have quite an extensive range available now. Um, they, it starts off with the core range. You have It starts off with the 12-year-old, which we'll be talking about later on, so I'm, I'm not going to cover that one right now. Uh, next up, actually, is a 10-year-old, which is done as a cask strength batch release. Um, now, the, the casks they use kind of it varies per batch. Uh, the last one I tried, I think it was American oak, pederhymnes cherry casks, and I suspect, I think it was virgin oak casks, um, but they, they have been known to kind of alter those ratios and, and the casks that they're using it. Um, and I think we're on batch four or five now of these releases already. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very limited run world, worldwide. I think it's about 2,500, 2,500 cases worldwide. So... Like I say, once the batch is gone, they move on to the next kind of uh, casking. Uh, after that, you have the 15-year-old, which is matured in Pedro Jimenez and Oloroso Punchins. Uh, now, a punchin, before you ask me, is a barrel size specifically, and it holds around, around 500, 500 liters. liters. Yes, well done. Um, it's a, uh, a sherry punchin. And... These, these these big casks are great for, for getting these flavours and things. Um, one of the things I, I will say about the 15 is when you see the colour, it, it just looks spectacular. It is so dark and rich. Um, it looks very similar to uh, the Glendronic 18, the Aladice, which is one that Billy Walker previously uh, released when he owned Glendronic. I remember Aladice. Yeah, and, and so this 15-year-old, it's got so much sherry contact to it. It's lovely and rich and fruitcakey Christmas cake flavours. It's got stewed fruits. It's got uh, tanned leather to it. It's Ew, amazing. I want to taste tanned leather. You're like, arr, 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 <laughs> mm, this leather jacket tastes delightful. <laughs> Haven't you ever just had a nibble? <laughs> I can't. I'm a vegan. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that faux leather just hasn't got the same substance to it i'm sorry they've tried to get the texture there but no i'm sorry there's about 28 jokes that i know <laughs> are gonna have to be cut out so i'm just not gonna make them <laughs> yeah then after that you have the 18 year old which again they use um some excellent cherry casks as well as ex-american oak casks as well ex-american bourbon casks and uh wonderful aged whiskey they also i, I know they do a 21 and a 25 in limited releases as well i gotta admit i haven't tried those yet uh, because the price is very expensive how much is it well uh, last time i checked very expensive Ah, yes, on the scale of 
that's reasonably expensive too. Very expensive. So yeah, after this range, you, you then onto your wood finish collection. And the wood finish collection, uh, they use things like the port wood finish, which has been uh, further matured in ruby port casks. Uh, sorry, ruby port pipes, which is a particular uh, type of uh, casking. We love to see it, folks. Um, which, as I've said before, port casks finish, you get this wonderful, nice kind of berry sweetness to it. A uh, wonderful, nice rose colour to the to the whiskey as well. We've talked about Tomatin 14. There's no point shaking your head. <laughs> uh, they also do a rye cask finish, which uses ex-Kentucky rye casks and adds a wonderful spice to the flavour when you use rye casks. Uh, another, I, I, I really like the, the Glenallergy rye cask. The other one I'm thinking of that I know has used uh, rye casks is Glenmorangi did Speos a few years ago. Uh, and that was matured in ex-rye casks as well. We both like rye. Do you like rye whiskey? I'm curious now. No, I like rye bread. It's not the same thing. <laughs> it's rye. Yeah, but the final product is completely different. Mm, having had rye bread and not rye whiskey, I would say they're probably the same. <laughs> having had rye bread and rye whiskey, yeah. Have you... What about... Well, like a, a bread pudding of rye. I don't like put bread pudding. Yeah, I don't like the concept of it. I don't really know what it is, nor have I ever had it. Uh, but the thought of it... Is not. Next up, we have the Moscatel wine cask finish, uh, which gives you nice, rich, kind of orangey flavours as well. Uh, Moscatel is a sherry wine. They didn't like. I like the flavours. I don't like the taste every time. <laughs> it's more the texture of an orange. I don't like the texture of oranges. Hairy old people gums. How would you have that comparison? <laughs> uh, and the final one that they do at the moment is the Pedro Jimenez sherry finish, which is an excellent uh, example of uh, Pedro Jimenez cask finishing, where you get this nice, rich, sweet kind of sherry influence. Um, in fact, it was the Pedro Jimenez sherry cask finish that I told you uh, I. I had a chance to nose it and I just basically walked around nosing it for a couple of hours. It was just such a spectacular kind of uh, aroma to it. I, I just ha- kept st- uh, sticking my nose in the glass and just walking up and down, basically. I don't think... That's like a level of hyper-focus but for a re- on a really weird thing. <laughs> it was just such a spectacular whiskey, okay? It was a really nice drop. Um, it tasted great as well. It wasn't just the nose, but like I just couldn't get over how, how great it smelled. After that, the distillery also does some spectacular single cask releases, which obviously vary per year whenever they release them. Uh, and these are always some of the best examples of the spirit available. Uh, so I, I think we'll move on to the 12-year-old, which uh, is, is part of their standard range. Now, what I forgot to mention is all of their whiskies are bottled at at least 46%, which is uh, something that Billy Walker really likes to do. It's, it's this great kind of bottling strength, as we've said before. Uh, the 12-year-old is matured in a combination of Ex Oloroso, um, Pedro Jimenez, and virgin oak casks. You get this wonderful richness from the uh, Oloroso casks, nice kind of f- stewed fruits, uh, fruitcakey flavours. The Pedro Jimenez, as I've said, is one nice kind of brown sugary, sweet molasses kind of flavours, uh, flavours as normal people would say. And virgin oak casks, never held any whiskey before, really nice kind of oaky contact and a wonderful spice comes in as well. Now these have all been selected by Billy Walker before he bottles them uh, and the spirit picks up a, a wonderful range of flavours from the combination of cask influences. And by bottling at 46%, they really do retain this, this great cask influence as well um i mean when you're trying it you can add water to it but it's always a risk of starting to lose that flavor as i've said before it's all personal taste though what's the lowest percentage we're like 40 40 we've been through this but you know these things because you pay attention all the time as you keep reminding me (laughs) insert yawn (laughs) i I was like gasping but the gasp did turn into a yawn i should have a sample of glenarchy 12 year old available milton duff mortlack Oh, Mortlack, yep. I know that one. You know Mortlack because we named we a dog named Mortlack. Dog Mortlack. It wasn't our dog. <laughs> if there's a habit that people listening to this will realise, we just name things. Yeah. Sherry? No, you should know this Sherry on <laughs> because we've just talked about the cast content. Oh, did we? Oh, my God. I'm begging you to pay attention. An essence of white. No, it smells like... The colour white. Everyone knows it. People who have that thing where they smell colours will 
honestly relate to this. But you don't have that thing where you smell colours. I know, but they'll understand. <laughs> You're just guessing what you think they smell at this point. No, but to me, it smells like white. It smells like... Imagine you just painted a wall white. It That's doesn't smell of paint. No, it doesn't smell like paint, <laughs> but it smells like that. What, what that would look like. I had a fresh new perspective. No one's going to say that. I bet they don't have that on the bottle. You know how I always say there are no wrong answers in whiskey when it comes to what you detect in flavours and things? I don't think we can include that as a genuine... Th- it smells like white. Right, but people that... What is it called? No, I don't get white. If anything, there's a, a, a royal blue to it. There's not. That doesn't smell blue at all. Especially <laughs> not royal blue. That's the dumbest thing that, you've ever said. It's got said. that lovely, rich, deep kind of... Yeah. When I smell a royal blue thing, I'll get you. And you'll be like... <laughs> yeah, that, that smells like a 30 metre deep ocean in, in in like... Yeah, in, in the Red Sea or something. Where you've still got the sunlight coming through. So it's not like gone to abyssal kind of black. But... Oh, yeah. It's just got that... You're not... That, depth of the ultraviolet spectrum You're not to it. only mocking me, but you're mocking the people at home that have this genuine... I'm not mocking them. If they have this, then kudos for them. I think that'd be a really cool skill, to be honest, to be able to smell colours. You don't, and that's why I'm mocking you. I don't have it, but that does smell white. I closed my eyes, I smelt it, and I pictured a white wall that had been neatly painted and was pristine. <laughs> Are we talking bone white? Uh, ivory white? Um... Liquid white. Liquid white. <laughs> no, being serious now. I was. I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> Take some more painkillers, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> I, I will do after this episode's over. I can, like, have about ten. On the note. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I mean, actually, we should do the body first. Um, Glenn Alex's body is actually quite a nice kind of medium uh, body. It's not too heavy, but it's certainly not a light one. Uh, it's got a lovely oiliness to the spirit, kind of, as it, it's, as the legs form. Uh, Colour is a lovely, dark, rich kind of... Um, I mean, it's, it's way past amber at this stage. I'd, I'd be going towards, I don't know, bronze. Um, on, on the nose, you've got this the, uh, a little bit of citrus fruit, certainly. Um, vanilla, there's brown sugar. It's not white. It's royal blue. It's there. It's, it's not royal blue. It's just at the back. <laughs> I'm annoyed because you're so <laughs> wrong. <laughs> like, that's so not the smell of royal blue. And if, you, if you're not careful and you add some water to this, if you add a little too much water, it starts to turn to cyan. <laughs> <laughs> you're the worst. <laughs> No. I mean, there's a spice to it as well. There's a, a pepperiness, certainly. I'm going to be running around the house smelling everything. <laughs> no, it smells like orange. <laughs> I almost get bananas a little bit on the fruitiness. You always get bananas from everything. It's the only fruit you know. Excuse me, we went through the list of my favourite fruits. Bananas. 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 No, we went through the actual list of my favourite fruits. I'm going to say Bananas. bananas. <laughs> Now, as far as the flavour goes, it's lovely and rich. It really does coat the mouth as, it, as, you, as you take that first sip. Still got that Speyside lightness to the spirit you can detect behind it. There's a lot of cask influence to this whiskey, and I think it's great balance. It really is. Uh, the finish is um, short to medium, I'd say. It, it doesn't last too long, but it's definitely in the, that kind of medium range. Um, certainly not an early morning whiskey. I'd be saying maybe elevensies at this stage. Well, we are at 12.44, which is oh, honestly well. <laughs> quite good for you drinking whiskey. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that about wraps up the tasting section of the episode. Ooh. Really, it is a lovely whiskey that um, I mean, it's certainly available in plenty of places, but it's not readily available um, in obviously supermarkets and things like that. They just don't have the the quantity for that. But I certainly think people should try it, uh, as I do with most whiskeys actually. So long as they leave enough for me to try as well, I don't mind. 
pour one out for Jordan. Any questions? Uh, no. I think because I'm sick, I should only have to do like three facts. <laughs> one, the Casper is now on a boat with his little baby cast next to him, sailing to an unknown location. We gotta find out what's going on there. You know that whole thing's gonna get cut out, right? Can you not cut my Casper for stuff out? This that was, was my Casper for a stupid This one goof. was a short one, leave it in. Two, there was an architecture, an architect named Doyle. No. Doig? There was Charles Doig, but he's not the architect we were predominantly talking no, about. No, but he is an architect. It's very true. Um, what was he famous for? The swoopy roofs. <laughs> Super pagodas. Uh, copied from Asian culture, particularly East Asian. Um, and they're still used to this day. They are. It's a very uh, stable design feature. A distillery that opened recently has one. Yeah. Well, no, not a distillery that opened recently. It's a series that's first release has come out. Uh, it opened three years ago. That's recent. Not as recent as yesterday. Yesterday's in the past, man. Yes, It's all in the past, bruh. Oh, my distillery seems so far away. You think you can mix painkillers and whiskey and be perfectly fine? Now the cask whisperer's gone and sailed away. You gotta leave that in because that's gonna continue next time. I believe um, yesterday. Uh, the one we just had previously didn't release mixes. Well, they didn't release... Mixes? So we're making, like, cocktails and they things They either now. didn't release whiskey that's been friends with other whiskeys, or... <laughs> I'm ill. I think at this point you could take whiskey with your painkillers, and it wouldn't make any difference. <laughs> or, or they only released... They either only released single ones until recently, or they released all the only whiskeys, friendship... All the single whiskeys. <laughs> put your bottles up. <laughs> <laughs> if you like to, then you should put a glass near it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with those. The whiskey was previously used predominantly for blending. Ah, friends, yes. I like how I did this with my hands every time. Conformity, conformity, Oscorp. I'm, I'm ill. That's enough. Oh, bless you. You can do this. I know. Oh, mostly because it's your anyway. turn. But I'm gonna give it like a gift, like a gift. Here you go. Wait, let me. Oh, what's this? What's this in this box? Oh, oh, oh it's. Oh, there you go. Oh, but it's so heavy. I know you can barely carry it, but I, I carried it first. That's why it's so heavy. There's a little bow on it inside. That's well, I am. Um, I did wrap it correctly. So it's, it's a double Windsor. I'm very impressed. Although not really used for bows very often. Well, <laughs> it's for a fanciful event, you oh, know. What's that? the sign out well this has been caskets thank you for listening if you like what you heard please rate review and subscribe on <laughs> if you like what you heard please rate review and subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you use it really does help us and more importantly may lead others to listen to and discover our show you can also visit our website or send us an email if you have any questions the links are within the description below because apparently that's how you do it. <laughs> I don't think I do that. I'd also like to thank Adrian and Alison Murray of the Weed Ram Whiskey Shop in Bakewell. Um, they have a wonderful selection of whiskies and an excellent range and brilliant advice as well. Uh, you can visit the shop if you are able to in these certain times, or you can visit their website, which is weedram.co.uk. Do they have just like any advice? Like, could I go and be like, I, I have this weird. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably do that with Adrian, yeah. <laughs> 
I wouldn't dare do it with Alison. <laughs> Alison, have this weird. Just get out, Luke. Just get go. I've had like get, a, get. A, a two minute <laughs> like a, conversation. Pulls a squirty board. Yeah. Just get. It's just labelled like Luke. <laughs> and as always, we'll leave you with this one editing goof. I seriously, don't edit out my cast whisper thing. Bye. Bye. Yep. High five time. Yep. There it is. It's not a high five. That was a slap to the palm. Slap to the palm is just a, a, a poor man's high five. I don't think that's a saying. <laughs> Oh, it'll stick. <laughs> I, I do like it as a saying. That's like how to make the best of a bad situation. Slap to the hand is just a high five without uh, mutual consent.